Welcome to our short podcast service today, based on 1 Peter. I'm Tim Carter, and I'm here with Ian Rose and Julie Shimizu. We're going to start our time together by listening to Psalm 126. It's one of the Songs of Ascents, a collection of psalms written for pilgrims making their way up to the city of Jerusalem. There are 15 of these psalms, numbers 120 to 134, and they address express a whole range of emotions. In some ways, these are psalms for our time. Some of us are coming back to church. Others of us are thinking about doing so. Others of us are really cautious and anxious. Whatever describes your situation, these psalms offer food for reflection and prayer, and I commend them to you. But today we're looking at Psalm 126, and it's a psalm of two halves. The first is one of celebration and gratitude for what God has done. The psalm starts with a note of amazement. God's people can't quite believe just how good God has been to them. But they're still unfinished business. They're not out of the woods yet. Their joy is mingled with grief and sorrow, but also with hope that they will find God's blessing in the end. So let me invite you to worship and pray as you listen to this psalm. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What has God done for you? What do you long for God to do for you? Those two questions represent the two different halves of the psalm. Celebrating what God has done leads into longing for more. But gratitude comes first. So take a moment to thank God for what he has done for you. And let that gratitude build your sense of faith and trust in him. Then, when you come to present your requests to him, your petitions will be mingled with thanksgiving. Thanking God for his generosity and goodness in the past gives us confidence for the future. In Romans 8.32, Paul puts it this way, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? So can I invite you to reflect on that as we listen to the song, There is a Redeemer.
Holy Spirit, you are the one who sustains us, the one who nourishes and strengthens us throughout our daily lives. We praise you. When the journey is long and we hunger and thirst, Holy Spirit, you sustain us. When the road is hard and our body is weak, Holy Spirit, you heal us. When our spirits are low and we just can't carry on, Holy Spirit, you revive us. When we offer our hand in love and in service, Holy Spirit, you bless us. When the challenge is great and the workers are few, Holy Spirit, you empower us. When the victory is won and we see your face, Holy Spirit, you will rejoice with us. We praise you.
Let's pray. Lord, you call us to a life of sacrificial love, but we've been reluctant to follow you down that road in so many ways, with our time and with our money. Forgive us, Lord, when we've not been generous in helping others and being hospitable. Forgive us, Lord, when we've not been generous, when we've been blessed with so much. Forgive us, Lord, when we've not been generous, when we could have gone the extra mile and shared what we have. Forgive us, Lord, when we've not been generous in using our resources, gifts, and talents. Forgive us, Lord, when we've not been generous. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to take up our cross every day and follow you. Amen. We turn now to the first book of Peter, chapter four, and verses one to eleven, and it reads like this: Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their early lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God, in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him. Be the glory and the power for ever and ever, Amen. If you shine a beam of white light into a prism, it's refracted into all the colours of the spectrum, as the different colours of light travel at different speeds through the glass. The result is that white light, which cannot be seen, becomes visible in a beautiful way as it passes through the prism. Where Peter talks about the various forms of God's grace in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, he uses a word that originally meant multicolored. As the Holy Spirit brings God's grace into the church, that grace finds a different form of expression in the life of every individual, with the result that God's grace is displayed in a whole variety of different ways. Peter mentions just a few ways in which the grace of God can be manifested in our lives in these verses. 
In one person, God's grace is shown by offering hospitality to others, making people welcome. In another, God's grace is shown by what they say and how they say it, so that when you listen to them, you can hear God speaking his grace into your life. In another, God's grace is revealed by the way in which they serve those around them, in the strength which God supplies. But whenever someone uses a gift bestowed on them by the Holy Spirit, God is glorified. So what gift has God given you? And how does he want you to use it? Everyone has a gift that they can use to bless other people. And if you're not sure what your gift might be, can I simply encourage you to look for ways and opportunities to serve other people? Because when we serve each other, God works through us. And the gifts that he's given us begin to become apparent. And when that happens, it's beautiful. Paul and Peter use different vocabulary to refer to the same thing. Whereas Paul talks about spiritual gifts, Peter talks about the different ways in which the manifold grace of God is shown. Grace is a rich word. If we say that God is gracious, we mean that he's generous. He takes the initiative in forgiving us. He shares the full abundance of his love with us. When that grace floods our hearts, our gratitude to God for his goodness finds expression in our worship and God's generosity to us inspires and equips us to be generous to others. There is something infectious about grace. Once released, it spreads. Perhaps your prayer for this coming week could be, Lord, release your grace in my heart and bless others through me as I use the gifts you've given me to serve them. For your glory. Amen.
So go now to be nourished in the love of God, to be generous in the way of Christ Jesus, and to be filled and fueled by the living Spirit. And may the blessing of all three, Creator and Saviour and Life Force, be with you and those you love today and always. Amen.